0: It was an awesome day in my life. In fact, I learned this from uh, the uh, NHL and different sporting goods. You're supposed to hold it up and then kiss it and put it down. But I remember the day I won this. It was in 2007 in July. My friend and I from Minnesota were trying to get into this golf tournament, and I was honored that he called me because he wanted somebody who could play golf at a high level. And so he called me and asked me to be a part of his team because This is the most prestigious award you can get at his golf course, his country club. And I sought after trophies like this. I wish you would have seen this a month ago, though, before Kelly polished it. It's silver. I should probably melt it down. It would have more value to me than it does today. But I remember that day, and I remember my life at that point. And my son's here today, and he can probably attest to this. This is what I chased with my life. I chased golf. I chased so many things that were about golf. I spent at least three hours a day practicing. I read books. I watched videos. I paid for lessons. I've even taken lessons from Al. He's a good teacher. I don't say it's wrong to take lessons. But I took five hours of lessons just on sand traps, which we don't even have at Dos Rios, just so I could get this trophy. So he wasn't here when I won this one, but... He keeps helping me when I go and play in other tournaments. But you know, I, I learned a lesson over time. This is just temporal. This is, everybody wants the trophy. Everybody wants a trophy in their life. But this is a temporal trophy. It's not our eternal trophy. And so years ago, I decided it was not important to me to play golf at that level. It was time to surrender this idol to God and to be able to play for fun. So once in a while I go out and play with Jeff Wilkinson and Phil Klingsmith on Wednesday nights. And I don't care if I lose my golf ball. I don't care if I three putt. I don't care about any of that stuff anymore. Sometimes I do care but most of the time. <laughs> I'm still I'm still human I guess. But so I had to learn to take this idol and lay it down. And lay it down at the altar, lay it down before the cross, and really follow what we're really created for. And I had to go through that. You know, that trophy was part of my legacy. My name is on a trophy forever in Lakeville, Minnesota, if anybody ever wants to go and look at it. I don't really care, but you can go see if it's there. But that was what I would chase. So we are talking about trials and trophies. So what feels better in your life, when you're handed something or when you have to work for it? What actually means something to you? So nowadays, everybody gets a participation ribbon. Okay, I see the purpose of that so we don't leave people out. But even when you get a participation ribbon, you know number one is better than participation. So you should strive for that. So everyone has a, knows that first place is better, but also everyone has a different first place when it comes to our spiritual eternity. Everyone has a different race that they run. And Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, In a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets first prize. So run your race to win. To win the contest, you must deny yourselves many things that would keep you from doing your best. An athlete goes to all this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup. Do we do it uh, for a heavenly reward that never disappears? So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what, is, what it should, not what it wants to. Otherwise, I fear that after enlisting others for the race, I myself might be declared unfit been ordered to stand aside you know I mean look at it there's so many different trophies in our lives like scholarships if they were just handing out thousand dollar scholarships to anybody who wants one then it doesn't mean anything nobody would have to study nobody'd have to excel do community service do the things you have to do to qualify for scholarships anymore you know if you got a master's degree just by sending in enough top uh, box tops instead of actually having to go to school Daleks are here today they know it's a lot of work you know, some of you also have high degrees. I know John Cattles. I mean, there's, it's a lot of work, but it feels so good when you have that reward for putting in the work. And like for Eric, he's not here today, Eric Lane, Crest Butte just won the state tournament in soccer. If he signed up at the beginning of the season, they said, here's your state certificate, would he care? No. But he worked his butt off, and his whole team did, and they came together and worked as a team so they could get that reward. You know, and then also you see people around town wearing race shirts or medals and things like what I do sometimes just to be crazy, I guess. But you know, it's not really about the event. It's about the journey. It's about the work we put in so that our reward feels good. And so you can see a cake. A cake is a good example of a spiritual journey. There, so this cake, which I'm not a dark chocolate guy, so I think this is an amazing cake. But the thing about this cake is, you can go to the store and buy it, or you can make it. Do you feel more accomplished when you present that cake at a party that you made it, or that you just bought it? it tastes the same. I would say, if I made that, I would shellac it so it never. De- I would have it always. But that is an amazing cake. And so, what do we have to do in our spiritual walk, just like a cake? The first thing we have to do is we have to understand a foundation. We have to have a foundation. In baking, you have to have a foundation of even knowing what the terms are, what you need. Like an oven. You know, measuring cups. I guess a spatula. There's things like that. There's a whole language associated with baking that I don't understand. You know, that's what it is like when you start to have your spiritual walk. Part of your foundation is also you. with building a cake, you have to go to the store. You have to get the ingredients. Well, the same thing in your spiritual walk. You have to buy a Bible. You have to have books, you have videos, read the Bible, worship services, Bible studies. There's all kinds of ways that you can get your ingredients for your spiritual walk. So when you get home and you're going to make this cake, do you just set the ingredients out on the counter and ta-da, there's your cake? No, you have to apply them. It's the same thing with our work, with our spiritual life. We have to work at it. We have to... Take the Bible and actually read it and then invest it back into people. We have to do those things. We have to go out and actually do that. So we can't just leave it on the counter. We can't just take it all in, which is knowledge. We have to have wisdom, which is application. So we need to apply that. So, James 1, it says, Do not merely listen to the word or so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he uh, looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And so, also, a lot of us just want that cake, but we don't want to go to the other side of the page where the recipe lies. We don't want to take the time to look through all the steps and have to follow it in order. I mean, first you have to have all the ingredients like I talked about, but then you also have to know I have to preheat my my oven to a certain degree. I can't cook it at 500 because I want it to go shorter amount of time. I have to follow the instructions. And that's the same way with our own lives. We have to follow the instructions. I mean, on this recipe for this cake, it says, Cream together the sugar and butter. I don't know what that means. Does it mean whipping? I don't know. Is that the same? I don't know. My wife knew it was the cream and butter. I don't know how she knew that, but she bakes. I don't. But you know, you have to follow this in order. You can't put the frosting in with the batter and hope that it comes out like that. It doesn't work. You have to put all the steps in the right order. And sometimes when we make cakes, we fail. We start with a cake and it becomes brownies because we didn't adjust for the altitude right? And sometimes in our spiritual arts, we start with cake and we end up with brownies because we didn't do it in the right order. We try to browbeat somebody into believing instead of having a relationship with them or whatever. We, we just get, we have to do it the way that God wants us to do it and to follow in the right direction. Well, think about it. Trials. That's where we grow. Trials is where we actually grow. I mean, in the last hundred years, this church has experienced a few trials, and we've survived a hundred years. And we've had quite a few this last year alone. We've had to re-examine what we believe, what we, how we worship, and how we're going to be relevant for the next hundred years. So we have to ask all the right questions. While at times it's very hard and stressful, many of us have grown did you know you grow when you surround yourself with people you don't agree with? If you only surround yourself with people you agree with, then you only talk about the stuff you already know. Really? I mean, that's, that's it. We, we talk about, that's why I think uh, some of the Friday morning groups, not ours, ours is intellectual, but um, some of them around town, they just talk about the weather. <laughs> you know, they talk about the stuff that they already know. They don't... Uh, I don't know about Wilkinson's group, he's at seven, we're at six, so we, you know, we have a little bit of overlap. But, but yeah, so you have to put yourself in a situation where you can grow because somebody challenges your perspective or challenges your view or teaches you a new way to do something better. Those are how you grow. So I have to ask you two questions when you're in a trial. One is, how close are you to God when things are going great in your life? Most of us don't seek him. Most of us think, he's just blessing me, I don't have to do anything. And then the second part is, how do you reflect him when they aren't so good? How do you reflect him when they're not so good? Some of us don't reflect him very well at all. And that's including me. Honestly, though, we should be like Paul in his declaration about his spiritual journey. In Philippians 3... He's pressing on to bring God glory and advancing his kingdom. Exactly what all Christian followers are called to do. If something is keeping us from the goal, we, should, we must remove it from our lives. If we are focused on an idol like, for me, the gulf, where I spent so much time focused on that and I didn't read my Bible, I didn't commune with other people, I didn't spend time investing back into the kingdom, I was investing back into me. We need to remove those things from our lives. Being a Christ follower will also always cost us something. Sometimes it's friends, it's our habits, it's our idols, it's our ideals, our desires, our identities sometimes, our goals, our dreams. We can look at two different people in the Bible. One was the rich young ruler, and he went to Christ. What do I have to do to follow you? And he said, well, you have to keep all my commands. And he goes, oh, I've done all that my whole life. He goes, okay, well, then go ahead and sell everything and come follow me and he walked away because he couldn't get rid of his possessions because his possessions were more important than being walking stride and stride with Jesus. The other is the man who bought a field, which is in Matthew. And that's the, the man saw the small pearl in the field, realized that was the treasure, and that he- heaven is just like that treasure. So he sold all of his possessions to buy that field so that he could have that treasure. So which one are you? Which one of those two do you relate to most? It is all worth it to press on to God's goal for us. Why is it that through trials our faith is increased? Because we have to submit to his will and not our own desires. Unless we are mature enough to realize his will is our desire. I don't know that we're all there yet. A common saying is if you want to get through, you have to pray through. It is helpful to pray first, not last. Most of us react in prayer instead of act, asking for prayer. First, if we, if we pray first, it keeps our perspective in check. If we pray last, we're focusing on, our, on the trial and not the triumph. I find myself in that camp sometimes, where I rather talk about the trial instead of the triumph. It's the Eeyore effect. Oh, nothing goes right. Nothing goes my way. The other one is God would never fix that. God can't do that. We can't put him in that box. And lucky for, luckily for me, I surround myself with brothers and sisters in Christ that help redirect my focus when I can't see it myself. When I, can't, I know that I'm in the dumps, or I don't even recognize that I'm down in the dumps, I have brothers and sisters and a wife and a family that turn me back to the place I need to be focused. And I, I thank them for that. And I thank that God put those people in my life. And we also can have to support each other. So we have the ePAT prayer news that we goes out. If you have prayers that you need, you can write to the office. But there's also an app called Pray.com. And I signed our church up for it. So you can submit prayers to that. We have a community church page within Pray.com and you can submit your prayers anytime, any day and there will be people who are praying for you. It's a small group right now. There's only four of us on it. But if you submit to that, they'll be prayed for. So sign up for that so you can also be praying for others. And find people to be around you that can hold you accountable, that can help you to come out of, out of your doldrum. Find people in this church and throughout your relationships that can know when you're down in your dumps just by when they see you get out of your car when you're meeting them for coffee. Know their personality. Invest in each other. Rob Strickland asked me the other day how I was doing. And I told him, busyness is stealing my life. And it's time to change that. So we're going to change it. Don't know how yet but I've been praying for God to help me do it. And I know a lot of you have come alongside me and asked how they can help me too. And I appreciate that as well. And hopefully, maybe, after we have a discussion today, maybe it all changes again at Community Church. and We have more support and God brings us someone to help us. And sometimes there's that false belief and that false teaching that we'll never have troubles if we believe as Christians. Quite the contrary. A lot of times our our trials are self-inflicted. We do something different than what God has intended us to do. But also there's times when God actually sends a trial into our lives. I know some of you might not believe that, but let's just look at Paul for a second on the road to Emmaus. He's blinded. That was sent by God. So he would change his ways. And you think about it, God looked down and said, hey, This Paul guy, he is a bold sinner, but I think he's going to be amazing for my kingdom. So when we write people off because their behavior or their lives are different than ours, we're wrong. Because God doesn't see them that way. God sees them as amazing for their kingdom. And we just have to acknowledge that sometimes. The struggle is real. We all are going to have trials. We're all going to have trials in our lives. And I'm going to tell you right now, from the counseling perspective, don't be cliche about it if it's not your struggle. Don't go up to somebody going through a struggle and say, pick up your chin. I know you can get through it. God wouldn't give you more than you can handle. Just believe more. Pray more. Because you don't know what their spiritual life looks like. They might be praying so earnestly, and it's just not ready. That is not their time to be out of that trial yet. But what you can say to them instead is, I don't know what to say. You can just be honest. You don't know what to say, and you don't know how they feel. No matter if you had the exact same thing happen to you, you really don't know because their situation is different than yours. Yours, And then, how can I help you? And actually pray with the person, not just say, I'll pray for you. Stop and pray. Right then, right now. Unless you're going to do both. Pray and then say, I'll continue to pray for you. You can do that. And also mean it. If you offer help, help. Don't be cliche. Because we need to be there for each other. I give that kind of support and I receive it. And while also resting on God's word, through Paul and James. And I'm going to take it out of the message because it reads a lot easier and it's, it, everybody knows it in probably NIV or King James or whatever version you study of your old Bible. But consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Pain and struggle are not fun, but did you notice the one line in there that I've never read before that I don't don't remember reading? Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Don't try to buy your way way out of a situation. Don't try and control your way out of it. God's got a lesson in it. And if we're trying to always supersede what he has us going through by trying to get out of it by whatever means possible, sometimes through sin, we aren't being developed into the full, full creation that he wants us to be. This takes a complete surrender on our part and a complete trust in God. That he has not left us or forgotten us. In fact, we have to focus that these trials are grinding us for what he has designed us to do. He's grinding us for what he has designed us to do. He's shaping us. He's getting us prepared for the next phase in our lives. Second Corinthians 4, 17, 18 For our light and momentary trials are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is unseen is the is the only trophy that matters. Christ died for us so that we could receive this trophy, and and now we must go out into all the world and show people that trophy that they can receive as well. And as a final hope for those in the midst of a trial, I must end with the scripture that Jason started the day with Isaiah 40, 27 through 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Let's pray. Father God, we have tried to do it all by ourselves, our own power, and we have failed. Today we want to turn our lives over to you. We ask you to be our Lord and our Savior. You are the one and the only higher power. We ask that you help us start to think less about us and our will. We want to daily turn our will over to you, to daily seek your direction and wisdom for our lives. Please continue to help us overcome our hurts, our hang-ups, and our habits. And may that victory over them help others as they see your power at work in changing our lives. Help us to do your will always. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.